This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And welcome. Good morning. Good afternoon, wherever you may be on this lovely Sunday. Uh, you're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host here for the next 30 minutes on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. We're here for you. We're here for your pets. We're going to answer any questions, talk about anything you want to talk about. But in order to do that, we need to hear from you. So very easy. First of all, good old-fashioned telephone, 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. Or better yet, try us here on Zoom. What you need to do, very simple. Uh, if you're here, you've been to PetLifeRadio.com many times. So you go on to PetLifeRadio.com, click on shows, scroll to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, and there will be a link left for you there. Just click on it. That's how easy it is to get a hold of me and um, hopefully have your little dog, cat, bird, whatever it is on your lap near you and just ask away. So Anyway, I, as you know, I like to peruse the news. What's going on in the veterinary world? What kind of things that I can help you more if you can learn a little bit more about something, whether it's a disease process, whether it's uh, something going on, whether it's COVID, whatever the case may be. So that's why we're here. So I'm going to talk about this a little later in the second part of the show about flea and tick products. However, this is more about this simply saying that it is flea and tick season. And, you know, people think when they, if they live near a beach, like I hear, do here in Southern California, Los Angeles, that we don't have to worry about ticks because they're not hanging out at the beach. Oh, yes, they are. So this is a report that even beach dogs, because they don't go near wooded areas, but they can be affected by the black-legged tick. They thrive in coastal areas and they love coastal shrubs, grasses and shrubs by beaches. So, you know, you're, you're on a beach, maybe, you know, not obviously in the sand, but as you approach the, the end of the sand on the roadways, you're going to see a lot of shrubs. You're going to see a lot of grasses. These ticks, the black-legged ticks like to live there. And these ticks also carry Lyme disease. It's not just the deer tick that carries Lyme disease. We know that most tick species carry Lyme disease as well as ehrlichiosis, as well as anaplasmosis. So they are vectors for a number of diseases. And what's even more important, more frightening, is that these diseases can affect you as well. So uh, very important to get your pets on flea and tick control. And as I said, hang in there with us because at the end of the show, we're going to talk about what is good and guess what? What is no longer not so good as far as products for your dogs? So this is interesting. Most of us, maybe none of us, I, would, I might be so bold to say none of us listening here today keep bats as pets. Maybe you do. Maybe you're a bat breeder. Who knows? And I'm not talking about Louisville sluggers. I'm talking about bats, bats. So anyway, there's been a devastating decline. Three different types of bats. One is called the northern long-eared. One is called the little brown. And one is called the tricolored. So these bats have decreased in numbers by almost 90%. But here's what I found interesting about this. For those of you who know bats, they are mammals, first of all, and they also eat, they eat insects. They thrive on insects. If there's a depressed population of just a million bats, this is we're talking across the country now, a million bats, that is going to make about several million, hundreds of millions of insects, hundreds of millions because of 1 million bats that are no longer there will not be eaten. So 
kind of tells you bats are really good for our environment. They, they, they eat insects. And, you know, those of us now just finished talking about fleas and ticks. Yeah, th without those bats, our insect population is going to go skyrocketing. So we want to really want to protect those bats because they do a lot of good for us and our environment. So this is something that just as a warning. All right. So first of all, our weather is getting better, even in places where it's super cold. Our weather's getting better and, and COVID restrictions are lightening up. So we're going to see a lot more of you taking your dogs outside, leaving your dogs outside, going to dog parks, having them off leash, whatever. Make sure, make sure, very important warnings by the American Vet Med Association that your pets are microchipped and wearing collars with ID tags. You want both. And anyway, because what's happening is there's a larger, greater opportunity for these pets to get away from you. And guess what? It's one thing. I have so many dogs that I've seen that are microchipped and either they were rescues or the people moved. I'm seeing for the first time. You must keep your microchip information handy. You have to update it. Make sure that you, every time you move, sometimes you have to register. Some of the companies want you to re-register every year. Whatever the case is, you need to make sure that the information that the microchip registry has on you is current because it's going to be no fun if your dog gets away. They hit that microchip number, they call in and they say, I'm sorry, we haven't, oh God, uh, we haven't had the registration since, you know, 2004. Well, darn, that's not good enough. So uh, it's very important. If you, had, <laughs> and if you have a dog <laughs> that was born in 2004 around, then you are really lucky because you're looking at a 17-year-old dog. So uh, <laughs> no, that's pretty cool. But let's even 2014, 2016, whatever, make sure your information is current. And uh, this is also good. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you a link, and I think we're going to leave it on the site itself at Pet Life Radio. I'll find out if we can do that. If not, you can always contact me at drjeff, drjeff at petliferadio.com. So I'm going to read this link to you, but this is really cool. The AVMA has published a disease prevention for dog walkers. Now, a lot of you out there either use dog walkers or are dog walkers. I know a lot of people, a lot of pre-vets, so that's how they start making money when they're like in high school. They start a little dog walking service. So this is important. So it's a fantastic publication, two or three pages of just all the things that you should know, need to know as a dog walker. And it's, I'll just read it to you. You don't have to copy it now. It'll be available for you. It's the avma.org. That's the basic website slash resources dash tools. Okay. And then slash pet dash owners slash pet care slash disease hyphen precautions hyphen dog hyphen walkers. So it's really great. So we'll have it written down for you. I'll, I'll send it in to, to Mark, our producer. But if you have any of you who are using a dog walker or do a dog walk yourself, this is really good stuff to know. It's very important. So something that I read about, A, I'm not surprised. B, it was, uh, it's sad. It really is. But it, it was so predictable. So predictable. I'll tell you, you know, something that is very similar that has happened over the years. But there's a Disney movie out. We all probably know it, 101 Dalmatians. And after that movie airs, after you've seen it, I mean, let's face it, in that movie, these Dalmatians are so cute and so adorable. And, oh, I want one. Oh, I want one. And then they get them. And because of many factors that I'm not going to go into live here on our show, but you're more than welcome to contact me anytime you want at to drjeff at petliferadio.com. These dogs are returned and the shelters, the rescues are overloaded with Dalmatians. So you can draw the conclusions you would like from that. But here we ha have a similar situation. We know 
that the many shelters, many rescue groups were almost cleaned out during the pandemic because people are home and they had time on their hands and they wanted a dog. They wanted companionship. They wanted someone to help break the monotony with them. And that is a dog. And that was fantastic. But what we predicted then, and it's now it's starting to happen, which is so frustrating. People are starting to say, wow, now either because I'm going back to work or because I've been out of work so long, I can't afford to keep them anymore. I can't afford to feed them. I can't afford to buy what they need. They are bringing them back to the shelters. And so by large numbers, a lot of the shelters now are looking for fosters. You know, my house and bed are full as I have 11, five dogs, six cats. I know I'm a little nuts, but it was bound to happen. It really was. So, you know, it's like they served a purpose at the time. And now they're no longer serving that purpose. Or I don't think it's like these people didn't like the dogs anymore. It's now impractical. What was practical, what served a need and a function is now longer that need isn't there because now people are out working again there. They don't want to leave the dogs alone. They can't afford to do daycare. Uh, they're in an apartment. The dog barks. Whatever. These are things that we all predicted in the dog world that were going to happen. And sure enough, they're starting to happen. So if you really want to adopt, if you have room for just one more, contact your local shelters. And if you are able to foster, and better yet, not only to foster, but I implore you, I beg you to become a foster failure. What does that mean? It doesn't mean you can't foster. It means you fostered and you end up wanting to keep the dog. Uh, that's We call that foster failure. You started doing a good deed. I'm going to provide a home for this guy until he gets adopted. And then you end up being the one who gets adopted, which is great. Trust me. That's great. I mean, my daughter has recently just two more because of the exact same thing. And now she's looking at her. I said, you can't. You're going to have five dogs. Only your idiot dad has five dogs. So um, anyway. Coughing, cats and coughing. You know, people don't realize that, yes, cats do cough. And um, so the occasional cough is not a problem. That could be a million zillion things, just like us. We don't cough, right? And all of a sudden run to the doctor. But if it became persistent, or if we start coughing up phlegm, or if we have runny eyes and runny nose, and we're having a tough time breathing, heaven forbid coughing up blood, that's serious business. That's stuff you're going to have to see a doctor for. So it's the same thing in cats. If the coughing is very frequent, becomes uncontrollable, if there's phlegm or a discharge out of the uh, coming up, or there's even a discharge out of the nose, out of the eyes, that often means an upper respiratory infection. It is very important to see your veterinarian. Um, what can cause this? Well, first of all, seasonal allergies, just like with us, pollens, things like that become irritating, and you can get this coughing. Feline asthma, very common, and uh, that is it's very treatable, but that also is a, a cause of coughing. It's also, it also has an allergy sort of underlying reason, the asthma. There are certain things that stimulate the asthma, very similar to people. And uh, anyway, viral respiratory infections, upper respiratory infections is another one. Hairballs, and, I, and we'll talk about hairballs in just a sec, and even heart disease can cause coughing. Now, I mentioned hairballs because people say, no, 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 it's not hairballs because it doesn't cough the hairball up. Let me tell you something. Let me set the record straight. First of all, with hairball coughing, you can have that dry, hacky cough. If the hairball is in the esophagus or stomach and they spit it up, it's going to come up. Of course it is. But there are many times that the hairball itself gets into the stomach okay, and then it gets out of the stomach into the duodenum or the duodenum, call it what you like, and it starts coursing its way through the intestine. So now it can stop somewhere, lodge somewhere, and cause the backup. And with that backup comes vomiting. But no longer will that actual hairball come up. Once it's out of the stomach, it does not go backwards. So, so here's what happens. Think of it as a, your sinks are backed up. 
all right? And what happens? The problem, you know, sometimes it might be in that big loop, that S loop underneath your sink. You can undo that, take the blockage out, whatever. That's a catcher, that a little catcher. When you drop your ring or your earrings down to the sink, pray that they're still there. But when the plug is already now somewhere under the house in the main line, it's not coming up anymore, but it's still causing the problem. And that's what, what do you do. That's when you call your rotor and you try to clean it out. So same thing with cats and hairballs. The hairball could be there somewhere in the intestinal tract causing vomiting, but it will not come up anymore. And also they'll hack sometimes. Now, speaking of foster failures, here are guide dog failures, but this is a cute story. So guide dog failures could become COVID-19 scent dogs successes. And here's what happened. So there were four Labradors that went through training for as guide dogs and they flunked. They, they didn't make it. That doesn't surprise me sometimes there because they're, they're so sometimes hyper personal, that personable, that they are, they have a tough time with some of the training functions, but they still are Labradors with great noses, you know, good scent dogs, et cetera, hunting dogs. So what they found is they put them through programs for scent detection and they thrive. They were very focused. That's exactly what they're meant to do. So now four of these guide dog failures have become COVID-19 scent dog successes. And I think that's uh, great. Speaking of COVID-19, before we uh, stop for a quick break, and this we talked about this last week, maybe it was two weeks ago. This is very important stuff. Be really careful with your masks, things that you throw away that your protection, whether it's gloves, masks for COVID-19. Uh, here's a very sad story. It was a, a 16-month-old Cocker Spaniel developed sepsis and ultimately died. How? Why? They found that it got a hold of one of our masks, okay? And you know that little thin aluminum bar that sits in there for the nose to pinch and fit over your nose? Well, it got lodged in the intestine. You know both sides of that little metallic piece are sharp, pierced his intestine. He got septic. He got really sick. They opened him up, tried to save him. They flushed his abdomen, etc. but it was too late. He was too overrun by infection and they had to say goodbye and put him to sleep. That is just such a sad story. So when you dispose of your protective gear, make sure you do it properly and make sure it doesn't end up somewhere on a street. Don't toss it because we know our dogs, they will pick up, many of them will pick up anything they can. And uh, this poor guy, 16 months old, that's very, very sad. All right, don't go away when we come back. We're gonna talk about flea and tick products, things you need to know about come spring. Pets are part of the family. Make sure you can always afford the quality health care they need with Easy Pet Check, a nationwide pet insurance alternative. With Easy Pet Check, you'll save up to 75% on all your pet's health care at any licensed veterinarian in the U.S. Easy Pet Check accepts all dogs and cats regardless of pre-existing conditions. Visit EasyPetCheck.com. That's the letters EZPetCheck.com. Taking care of your pet can be easy with Easy Pet Check. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There's no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. 
Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> And welcome. I'm back here. You're live with Dr. Jeff here for the next, uh, oh my God, seven or eight minutes to go. And uh, <laughs> anyway, if we run a little longer, that's okay. So spring has sprung. And uh, one of the things we see most parts of the country now are dealing with fleas and ticks. And if they are not yet, they will be very soon. Of course, some parts of the country have to deal with this all year round. So what is effective? What's not effective? So there are a number of products out there. I took a call this morning. This is how this all came about on AirVet and um, a couple from Baltimore. And they were getting a little anxious, nervous because they found a tick on their dog's ear and they didn't know how to take it off, what to do. They were panicked. It is on a flea and tick medication. This should not have happened. Anyway, while we're on the call, sure enough, the husband was able to successfully remove the tick. And we started talking about you know, flea and tick products. What do they use? So the front runners for years and years and years. And to be very transparent, I will tell you, I was national spokesperson for one of them for a number of years, and they were fantastic products. Safety, efficacy, all good. Now, they've been on the market now for, I don't know, close to 18 years. And the imidacloprid products, imidacloprid, those are the uh, Advantage, K9 Advantix, and the Fipronil products. There are many of them out there now because there are many that have been using Fipronil, but the front runner was, pardon the pun, Frontline. And these are still very, very safe products. They, both companies, went over the counter a number of years ago. Whether that contributed to this or is just the fact that insects are amazing adapters. Insects can adapt to almost anything and they will. And therefore, the chemicals that we use to treat these insects has to change. They do. They have to be upgraded. They should be researching different ones because these bugs become resistant. As a good friend of mine, chief, former chief of parasitology at one of the top vet schools in the country, basically would tell me the R word. So these products, these now we're seeing when it comes to these products, the R word, the resistance word, still safe. They might be effective. They might be, but you're not going to get the same efficacy at all. And um, I often joke that the commercials you see for these products now still going on because they are OTC. They are over the counter. You can pick them up online. You can pick them up at a pet store. No doctor prescription necessary. I joke that these are being paid for by a, a conglomerate of fleas and ticks because they want you to go out and buy these products because they know that it's not working anymore. So what do you do? There is a new class of medication, also safe. There are some stories we'll talk about in a minute, called the isoxazolines. There are a number of products that use the ingredients in that class of meds. They're all different ingredients, but they're all isoxazolines. The big ones, there are four of them. They're out there now. I'm not going to give you my favorites. It doesn't make a difference what I think. It makes a difference what you and your vet think, but they're all very effective. You have the Brevecto, you have Semperica and Semperica Trio, you have Credilio, you have Nexgard. I don't care which one you get. They are very, very safe. You need to get them through your veterinarian or online, but the prescription will request will have to be approved by your veterinarian. They are, they are safe. There is and have been reports, I'm sure you've heard them, 
that these products cause seizures. That is not the case. What these products do, they may, and not all of them. It's just the individual chemical. It's not blanket isaxazolines cause seizures. But if your dog has had seizures before or has a tendency that hasn't come up yet for some seizure activity in the brain, then yes, one or two or three of these or all four of them, unlikely, by the way, it's likely only one of them, and you don't know which one, may, may induce a seizure. So if you're using one and that happens, obviously switch to another one. But it doesn't mean that because one did it, they're all going to do it. But they are very effective, very effective. And um, let's talk about another thing, because it was asked, what do people do around the environment? And the answer to that is really just clean your environment. Years ago, we used to think, we used to say, actually, for every one flea on your pet, there were 40 or more in the environment. We're finding out that's not the case. We're learning more about the flea life cycle. And the flea life cycle is such that what you are finding in your environment, when you're walking around and you see something dropping on your white socks, that is a baby flea. Baby fleas need to find a host fairly quickly. And if they don't, they will starve and die. Also, just so you know, they are photophobic. They don't like light. So you're going to see them under things, which is why when you used to do those foggers and they used to smith would go up in the air and then it would settle down and still didn't work. Why? Because the fleas aren't sitting in the open carpet in your living room where the light's coming through the window. They're under the coffee table. They're under the couch. Well, when that mist settles from the fogger, it would land on top of the car, on top of the couch, which is why they were somewhat ineffective as well. But we're learning that we don't need to do that. Once the flea, baby flea, jumps on the pet and takes its first blood meal, something happens in its digestive tract that now it is now an obligate blood sucker. It needs to get a blood meal. And if it doesn't, within a few days, it's going to die on its own. So when a flea, an adult flea, jumps off of a dog and can't find that dog again or the dog's outside and it goes several days or it's in a different room and dog doesn't go back in that room, it's going to just die on its own. So that is why that the new products, you know, going back many years, that you just make sure the dog has some protection on it to kill the fleas, and that will control the environmental fleas as well. So that's kind of what we concentrate on now. We concentrate on the pet, and that's what we need to do is keep the fleas and the ticks off of the pet. So to uh, summarize, if you're using some of the other product with imidacloprid, look on the label, or fipronil, they are safe, so don't worry about it. Nothing's going to hurt your dog. But they're ranging from being ineffective to just not very effective. So that is something that just you need to know about. The new class of drugs, I mentioned them. Anything with the isoxazolines available from your veterinarian are much more effective. I recommend you talk to your vet about it. Every vet seems to have their own favorite. I have no comment on which one is best. I will tell you that there's one of them, uh, Semperica has Semperica Trio, which also gets heartworms. And one of the others, I'm not sure which one, has a plus. I don't know whether it's Prevecto Plus or, or NextGuard Plus that also gets heartworms. Again, it's not a commercial. This is Speak to Your Veterinarian. I want your pets to be safe. I want them to be protected against fleas and ticks. And that's uh, how it needs to be done. So um, if you have any questions about this, you can always reach out to me at drjeff at PetLifeRadio.com. You can also uh, reach out to me on AirVet. If you haven't signed up for AirVet already, I would do so. That'll give you access to a veterinarian 24-7. Keeping in mind that when you need a vet and yours is not available, they're usually sending you to an emergency clinic. Emergency clinic, I would tell you that 90%, 90% of your supposed issues, problems, concerns that you think you need to see an emergency are not emergencies. If you talk to a veterinarian, get the information that you want, then you can wait for your own vet the next day or the, the following week. So, 
Thanks for joining me here on Pet Life Radio. And uh, as I said, would love your input as far as questions, any comments, anything that you would like me to talk about. Any, you know, what I find is, and people will tell me all the time, and trust me, I'm not so great, but maybe it's just the way I explain things. People will come in and they, once you understand something, it makes it so much easier to digest and to make a plan for what you want to do next. And um, I think veterinarians are really busy now, we are, and maybe not don't have the time. So I think that being on our show, listening, write to me, tell me what you want me to talk about. I'd be happy to help you out. And that's what I love to do best. Anyway, thanks for joining me here on Pet Life Radio. I have a great week, everybody. We'll be here next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. And uh, looking forward to seeing you then. Until then, Jeff Werber signing out. Have a great week. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.